You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins, your host as always. And this week, we're exploring the pathway to becoming a real estate agent with Adam Gizzo of Real Mark Urban, the young fella who is actually only a couple of years younger than me, but he felt a lot younger when he first hit me up on LinkedIn a couple of years ago, asking me for a bit, little bit of advice on how to get in, into the industry and what it took to make it, who we should be trusting, who we shouldn't be trusting, and, and where he should be starting his career. And look, I'm sure I gave you a couple of little pieces of advice, but you've taken that so much further to a point where I'm really proud to be able to have you in the studio this morning, Adam, to discuss for everyone out there who's listening, who could have been listening for the last couple of years, uh, what it was like for you to start and really just work through that as a bit of a how-to, a bit of an intro into becoming a real estate agent. Mate, thanks for having us. Um, Geez, that brings back a whole lot of memories you tell me that. Yeah. It's crazy, eh, where we were at today. Look, it was a young guy who hit me up on LinkedIn and asked me for a coffee and it was something about the charm you had. You charmed me, you got me in. All those people looking to influence people and make friends. I'm pretty sure there's a book about it. Mm-hmm. One of the smartest things you did was you left me with a little gift that I've still got on my desk today. It was a little gold case of playing cards and it reminds me all the time of, of the balls you had and the charm you had to get me in. And from that point on, you've grown so far, mate. So I'm very proud of you. I'm very proud to have you in. This discussion is one that we haven't had before. We've spoken to over 100 real estate agents on this podcast, all number ones in their area. And you're not a number one yet in a suburb, but I'm sure you will be at some point in time. But in terms of the journey, you're 29 years old now. You've been in the industry for two years. There's a gap there of probably 10 years. Do you want to tell everyone about what you were doing beforehand? Yeah, definitely. First of all, like I said again, man, thanks so much for having us on. Unreal to be a part of this. Who would have thought, you know, two years ago, sitting in the same room on the uh, Perth Property Show. Yeah, look, where I was before this, I was a chef by trade. So very, very different uh, career path. But actually not too different to most people in real estate. When they're a sales Mm -hmm. agent, most of them didn't start as an 18-year-old cadet somewhere. A lot of them had a career either Mm -hmm. as a white collar or a blue collar Mm -hmm. professional. They all started somewhere and just realized that their passion wasn't where they started and it ended up being in property. A lot of them doing it for the money, Mm -hmm. to be frank. A lot of them are doing it for a big pay rise or to be a bit more autonomous about the way that they do make their money. But what was it about being a chef that you loved? What was it that you didn't love? I became a chef when I was 18, so I left school. I was actually kind of fell into it. I was just actually looking for work. So in terms of chefing, I just grew to love it because I guess I was always passionate about doing good at whatever I was doing. I always believed and I had that work ethic from a young age. Whatever I set foot to do, I wanted to be good at and then ended up being as chef for about seven years on and off. A lot of things I did in between as well, like I was chefing part-time, did a bit of private chefing. I worked at a few nice fine dining restaurants all throughout Perth. And then obviously found myself in real estate towards the end of my 20s. But funny, looking back, I guess I always pictured myself, for lack of better words, throwing a whole bunch of things at the wall mm. and you know, giving a whole lot of things a go. And then eventually, you know, I think your 20s, that's what it's for. And then eventually you're going to find your niche and kind of and go from there. When you don't really know what you want to do coming out of high school, which mm-hmm. is what a lot of people will find themselves in, a lot of men end up studying just to give themselves time to figure it out. They might do a business degree. They might do a science degree, something like that. How do you get into being a chef though? It's a very niche thing to end up. You just love your food? Not so much. To be completely honest, like I said, looking for a bit of part-time work, I think someone put me in touch with a guy who he was about 24 years old, had a fairly nice car. He was the head chef and owner of this small restaurant in Guildford and he lived upstairs. And again, long story short, I went with him for part-time work 
as I was kind of trying to find my niche, what it would be. And look, I loved the aspect of eventually I grew to a place where I did a lot of private in-house catering. I worked on a lot of nice yachts and a lot of nice properties throughout Perth, like Dalkey, Peppy Grove. So you liked um, making a name for yourself? Yeah, I think so. And I liked um, I liked the quality side of things behind, you know, I liked always had a precision and doing things well had always been like a big thing of mine but i did like the obviously creating a bit of a name for myself some trust in your name and that brand yeah definitely you remember the moment you thought this isn't for me like i said on and off for a few years and then eventually i think seven or eight years into it getting into my late 20s my partner is actually a property manager so she's been in it for a few years and i'd kind of went to functions and a lot of gatherings at some of the real estate companies she worked for and always met a lot of people in real estate and outside of it too a few family members are pretty keen on developing and, and things as such and good ethnic always, background of yours. Yeah, good yeah. ethnic background, good Italian background. So kind of always amongst it. And like, you know, it was always intriguing and always definitely wanted to invest and get somewhere with real estate. Never knew it would be in sales. But yeah, like I said, I went to a lot of functions, met actually quite a few sales agents, seeing them obviously supposedly are looking like they were doing pretty good things. And I just thought, you know what? My partner always challenged me too. She was always like, you should give it a crack. You'd be good in sales. And to me, I never had a job in sales before. Did but you then, think it was a dirty thing, the word sales? To a degree, yeah, definitely, definitely. But then I kind of quickly realized, again, this is jumping the gun, getting into it, that everything I was kind of doing up until that stage was selling myself to some degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was a chef in some of these restaurants I worked at, you'd, we'd bring out a meal, like a dessert to finish off the, you know, and really go out with a customer, make that experience about the whole experience come together, I guess, sell the meal, really talk about the meal in detail. And, you know, given that lasting impression, you were not just selling the food. You, I guess you were selling yourself in a way, you know. Do you remember when you first thought, you know what, I'm going to do it? Where was the first place you went to to figure out how you do it? I didn't have really too much of an idea what was going to, how to get into it. I think I started listening. I, I'm pretty big at consuming knowledge. And that's, I started reading a few books about real estate, even American books. Actually, a lot of Tom Panos. I think I joined the real estate gym because I didn't have a clue what was going on. So the turning point was when I got back from working away as a chef came back and I was working part-time. I was like, look, I need to kind of buckle down here and I had to give sales a crack as such. It was an itch I had to scratch and then a sales director from uh, Realmark at the time that actually first reached out. Ironically enough, that's where I ended up, but they reached out at the time through Ricky and said, look, I'm actually looking for some kind of bit of a career change. And, you know, I thought, look, let's... Let's look into sales. You can't be a real estate agent without doing some sort of courses, some mm-hmm. qualifications. Mm-hmm. Talk us through how you found that process. Do you do it in the space of a weekend, a couple of weeks, a year? How long did it take you to get your head around it? Do you find it easy? Do you find it helped? Yeah, definitely. Look, the course, the real estate course, you get your representative license. I think it was only uh, a couple of weeks. Went to a place out um, called West Coast Real Estate Training. Course was, I think, within seven to 14 days, you can get that course. And you have to obviously complete a lot of it in-house. But once you have that representative license, then obviously you're, you know, you're ready to go. I lined that up to have that so I was ready to go. I could start at a place fresh when I was kind of looking around. And to give you an idea of obviously how little I knew about real estate or where to start, obviously I think I met you around that time as well. You know, that's when I kind of was watching, seeing what people were doing in the know in the industry. I think somewhere along the line, I watched one of your podcasts on the Perth Property Show. And I think yeah, you're interviewing someone I know very well, Mike Valletta. Yes. And um, and then, you know, one thing led to another, I think through family gatherings and that, I thought, let me reach out to, you know, yourself, the more kind of podcasts I listen to. I was like, I'd love to, you know, you seem like you interview quite a few agents. Surely you'd be like the one-stop shop to come to. Like you kind of advocate here, obviously it's strategic to kind of be like, look, you know, this guy obviously has got a handle on what's happening in the Perth market. I'd love to pick your brain for a bit, even if it's for half an hour, 
just to kind of get a bit of your where do you see good cultures and where do you see kind of you know good ethics out there in the industry look i think it's a really good start a lot mm. of people they'll go straight into a franchise at ray wider professionals they'll get that you know tapped on the shoulder by a mate saying that you should give yeah. this job a crack and then they feel a little bit tied down to that place straight away whether it does fit or doesn't fit their culture mm. what you did was actually sample a whole lot of yeah. different businesses interview those businesses rather than have them mm -hmm. interview you and say well look why should i work with you this career is going to be really important to me mm -hmm. i can get this license but from that point on i need to be guided through and mentored i assume uh, through my first few years before i can get on my feet mm -hmm. so the question there is do you have a mentor that on a real estate sales side you've found who has been able to get you through the first couple of years yeah, definitely. I think, as you just mentioned, you hit the nail on the head. I was I sampled quite a few places. And in terms of mentors, I think finding that in RealMark itself, Scott Fletcher was really good in that. Obviously, he was the one who brought me cost to RealMark to begin with when I met him himself and, and the owner there, obviously, John Perkadani. But there was a few people at a few other RealMark offices where I spoke to as well, at the coastal offices. And so I, I really got a good grasp of you know how they operated and what kind of brand I wanted to I guess, represent me as well. But yeah, I definitely had my fair share of places I went to and sat down. I even had a really good chat to some local local agencies where I actually had a property out in High Wycombe at the time, so in the foothills. I think the best advice I had from these mentors and that, especially when I was starting, was either work in an area you grew up and you know, you know, like the back of your hand. Yeah, be an build expert. A brand, be an expert in that area you know um, and that you've built kind of a reputation in or choose an area that you desire to be in plant yourself there, learn everything you can to know about that area and then become that expert in that place you desire because obviously that's where all your energy is going to go and that's where all the good's going to come from too because you're going to be motivated about it. Tell us about that first couple of months prospecting, mm. trying yeah. to get someone to trust you to sell their property yeah. with zero experience mm. and zero, nothing to show for it. Yeah. I mean, to be frank, I would never allow someone who's never sold a property before to sell a property for yeah. me. Yeah. How do you get that first person over the line? And yeah. what was that first sale like? That was very interesting. And you're right, you're spot on. That was the thoughts going through my mind as well. So I knew that a couple of months in, there were so many failures. There was so much door knocking and, and cold, cold calling. I gave it a crack before I got into real estate. Because again, this is like me. I really want to sample what I'm getting into before I did it. It did take me at least two and a half months before I got my first listing. Mm -hmm. Two and a half, three months. So it's quite a bit of time. So it was freaking out to a degree. And I was kind of like, obviously, this is all new to me and just trying to learn the ropes. But getting that first opportunity, I always knew that whoever gave me that first opportunity, I was going to be forever grateful for. And I was going to make sure they did an amazing job. And I think I did I did everything on that first listing. I think it was a listing actually in Ashfield. I got there before home opens, before the sign was out. I did a bit of, I think, gardening and, and I brought my some tools to kind of clean up the front yard and stuff because it was a rental property. But I just made sure that before opens and all the rest, I bring my little blower with me out the back of the car and just making sure that this place could look as schmick as possible. You still and, do um, it? To a degree, actually, yeah. yeah well, I think you have to. Yeah, the best to agents, even the ones who are yeah. glitzing around in their Mercedes AMGs, they've yeah. still got the little toolkit making yeah. sure that at the end of the day, their sale happens a little easier than it would. Yeah, yeah, De yeah. and it's always in the detail. You started in Ashfield, which, look, is not the easiest place to sell <laughs> at any point in time in the market. No. It's a very uh, forgotten suburb in Perth, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. And there are a lot of houses that are quite run down and old. Yeah. Did you get the price you were looking for? How long did it take? Yeah, that was actually really good. Considering it backed onto Guildford Road, right next to the train station, a Ross North home, a complex of five. So really nice built home, but what it was around, obviously there used to be a whole lot of yeah. state housing in the area, a majority. So this was kind of still very close to a lot of that pocket. But I think I sold that still in a relatively good time for the time in the market. Again, probably arguably around the bottom at the end of 2018, 2019. So I think I sold that in about six weeks and got a really good price. I think I got, ended up selling it for... 
4.15 and the, a replica of that on the front, I think sold for like 3.90 only about six months ago. So we've spoken about that first purchase. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're a couple of years further down the track. But yeah. to pull it back again, a lot of people that would be trepidatious about moving into a new career, let alone moving into a commission-based career, mm-hmm. is that they're really scared they're not going to be able to put food on the table. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be able to replace that income that you're on. A lot of people yeah. probably assume, but we get it right, you know, pretty close what a chef would be on. But did you find that you had to prepare financially for, look, I might not make a sale in the first six months. I'm going to have to have some savings for starters. But also, the next question, if I can add one on, is, did you replace your income in your first year? That's 100% right. When I first started, it was that was also, I think, a very motivating factor, knowing that I'm going to go out to a career that obviously there is no, there is no guarantee. There's no like fallback. Said, there is yeah. no fallback, which is, I think, anyone looking to get into it, that is key. If you've got that mindset, you're going to do well. Of course, you're going to be scared. There's going to be times where you're just unsure, and but everyone goes through that. All businesses go through that. At the end of the day, you are going to be your own little business. In terms of asking you a question, I did in my first year, I think my first full complete 12 months, yes, I wrote more numbers and obviously made more than I was making as a qualified chef seven years into chefing. And this is why I wanted to get you in, not because of that at all. And it was yeah. not something that I knew before today, but yeah. I knew that if there was ever going to be anyone as a rookie in their first year or two who actually did succeed in being able to start to make this a career of themselves, mm-hmm. it was you, it was clearly you've, you've done really well. And just building trust, let alone the numbers. How many properties have you sold so far in that first year? And then we're in your second year now. How many properties did you sell in your second year? Have you found that you can manage the workload? I think I just sold over 22 properties properties in my first year um, and yes. that's amazing most yeah. people couldn't do that yeah. yeah 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 so that was and then the second year was I actually started moving up in terms of price point so my average sale was a lot higher I didn't double the numbers as such but I hit around that 32 mark so I just added an extra 10 but the average price point came up significantly is that a strategy that you've found look is, is working for you in terms of it makes your life easier mm-hmm. obviously the higher the price point the more income you're going to get from it but mm-hmm. why did you move in terms of looking to prioritize being in more affluent areas? I always, always from the get-go, wanted to position and I saw myself in that kind of marketplace. There was a certain product and a certain house I really wanted to sell and believe that I could add the most value. And I always bore that down to, like I said, everything I do was always rather that, I like the quality approach rather than the quantity. Yep. I knew that like looking in the game, looking how people do things, nothing against agents that you know sell 100 properties a year. I think that's amazing. That's a lot going on. But for me, I think a manageable business where I can add the most value and really give that kind of detailed service is going to be through a manageable amount of properties at that ideal price point. Have you found the office environment as a real estate sales agent? Do you find you like to be in the office or you'd rather be on the road a lot more talking to clients or prospecting? Is it one where it's competitive but at the same time there's still a team environment there or everyone's on their own? I do love being on the road, meeting clients as much as possible, getting face-to-face because obviously that's that's where the business is at. But at the same time, I do spend a fair bit of time in the office too because I know that I'm still in the early stages and I still want to be consuming as much as I can from some of these guys that obviously have been in long, longer than me. And there's just so much, you know, there's always things you pick up here and there. You can ask questions, I guess, when you've got a good team too and know that you've got someone to fall back on to that in terms of contracts and all the rest of it. And, you know, we can be held accountable for these things. So there's a lot at stake. So knowing that we can, you know, really, I guess, use that kind of office environment for good guidance and make sure that we're doing things airtight especially, you know, in our career, it's, it's good to kind of have that balance. What you enjoyed about being a chef was that you st- could start to build a personal brand that mm-hmm. people could trust. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's an opportunity to do that in sales as well. As one of your goals, if you had to write them down the next few years to become the number one in a suburb, to be able to really have a, a suburb, no, Adam Gizel, he's the, he's the number one agent in my area, or are you more about 
a certain type of property across Perth, for example? Where have you been led to in that, in terms of what people have mentored you to on, mm-hmm. on the guidance there or where your, where your preference sits? Yeah, great question. I think that's those goalposts are always forever updating and changing. I always thought it would be, I've started obviously, uh, you know, selling quite a few nice properties in Maylands, just kind of, I just really like the collectiveness of the area and anything really on the river there, I've been kind of finding myself selling. When you start off, it's not that easy though. You take any listing you can find, right? Y- yes, definitely, definitely. Guess like you said, you, you walk in the door and you're sitting up going up against two or three agents that have been in the game for 10, 15 years and here's you pitching to a couple of owners that have you know built their wealth or built a really nice property. over the, so They've been there for 10 years and here's you with like, how much experience have you got? You haven't even sold a property yet. It's, mm. a, it's a challenge, that's yeah. for sure. Do you see yourself being a licensee one day, having your own office, you know, Gizzo Real Estate? Actually, no, right now, I don't. I want to rapidly grow as much as I can on my own as my own personal brand. And then maybe one day, yes. But yeah, at the moment, that's not, I guess that's not just the goal. But that, like I said, that could definitely change. A lot of people start real estate mm. thinking it's a great side hustle or we'll, we'll dip the toe in the water whilst I'm being a sparky or a plumber or, you know, my, my week off as a FIFO or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and they don't last very long. Yeah, We see a lot come and go, especially in good markets. It's crazy the amount of real estate agents there were two years ago compared to now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many agents I've never seen before that are just popping up everywhere. And I'm sure we won't see them five years from now if the market turns around that time. What do you think has been the difference for, from your side of things compared to a lot of those agents that never make it past a six-month period? You've got to be committed. You've got to be all in, as you just said dabbling in it or like you know dipping your toes in the pond and that's one thing i've always been good at you know if i'm going to do something it, that's what i'm doing my philosophy there as well is that if you're not an expert in something you're a punter mm-hmm. uh, and no good one trusts a punter and that's for my side as a buyer's agent mm-hmm. you know i need to be an expert in my space which has mm-hmm. allowed me to be uh, an expert in perth it's the same reason i don't go and buy property for people wherever they are in other states in the city because I, I know I would just be a punter getting mm-hmm. on the bandwagon, a middleman passing through. And that's not what people hire you for, especially in a generation now where everyone has all the information about you. Everyone can Google you. They know exactly what you have or haven't done in your career. You can't bullshit people. Mm-hmm. So you're either going to be an absolute expert in something or you're going to be a pretender and people will find that out very quickly. You can't wolf Wall Street people these days. Mm-hmm. The quickest way to do that is to do exactly what you've done is, is ask questions. Mm-hmm. Become an expert as quickly as possible by consuming as much information as possible. If you're, joined, if you're going to be a professional real estate agent where your main skill is just selling, your main competitive advantage is just selling, you're not going to last that long because anyone can sell and a lot of houses sell themselves. Mm-hmm. The real expertise is understanding where the local sports fields are, who your buyers are, managing a database, uh, understanding all those factors that people will pay a little bit more for as you build those sales skills along the way. But nothing can replace that competitive advantage of your really specific knowledge of everything that you're selling. That, that comes from just consuming yourself in it. So uh, a lot of people get into real estate sales, I believe, for the wrong reason. They get in there to make money. Mm-hmm. They're not actually passionate about property. They don't understand the first thing about contracts, about sales. Uh, they don't understand how to mitigate their own risks in that space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second any of that issue comes up where they're challenged in, the, in terms of their depth of knowledge, they don't last very long. Mm-hmm. The first six months of working in real estate, the first year, I could safely say I did make a lot of mistakes, but I learned from them just as quick. And I wanted to do that. I kind of set out to be amongst that and I guess make, make those mistakes so I could make those adjustments and move forward and know exactly what you're just saying then really become the expert in my area know everything there is to know about when i list a property like so when you get a buyer walking through that door it just comes down to even this fine details knowing the zoning obviously knowing what you can do with you know 
what are the materials that you're selling in the, in the property really kind of obviously adding that little element of you know like you just said a lot of properties can sell themselves but if you can add that little extra element of like really detailed value add to the property it makes a world of difference what's your perspective on valuing yourself the commission that you'll charge a client do you have a set fee as a minimum that you wouldn't walk through the door walk out of yep. the door with and you go well yep. look this is the fee yep. it doesn't matter what percentage it is do you yep. have a set percentage yeah definitely I, I i back myself i mean like i said now going into it two and a bit years into it going to my third year almost i back myself i really come in with a strong indication of a confidence of this is what i charge you know this what is I mean? what I'm worth. This is what I'm worth, 100%. I see a lot of people, especially, you know, like now, when the market's so hot or has been, a lot of agents will come and undersell themselves. Or because there are pen. so few listings. Correct. And then I'm prepared to walk away from the business. And again, sometimes it could be back on me and I'll look at, go back to the drawing board if I missed out and think that, look, perhaps I didn't do a good enough job of obviously selling my worth. But I'm very confident now going forward and saying, look, this is my fee. This is what I can add. This is a success that I believe I can bring. I'd love to work with you. Let's get the ball rolling. I'm sure it didn't start like that. No. <laughs> and that would have obviously also been reflected in a much lower hit rate in terms of prospecting, how many yeah. times you have that meeting with the client and then yeah. how many times you lose. Yeah. Have you found that there's a vast difference now in terms of the, your hit rate? Obviously, when I first started, there was there was a lot of missed opportunities and obviously, I was just getting better at my craft and, and I get that. That comes with the that comes with the business but yes the reality is you're still in the two years in mm-hmm. i'm sure you find there are a lot of agents out there you're quite intimidated by or if you're not intimidated by you have a healthy respect for mm-hmm. the fact that oh geez i'm going up against this guy i'm probably going to lose this or mm-hmm. i might lose this you know just by yeah. based on the name how do you find you can compete with these people energy is massive a lot of the times you don't get that much time to really sell yourself you know maybe that first initial phone call when you book the meeting but I think being able to get in the door there, whether it's a half an hour meeting or a 45-minute meeting, you've really got to come in with a good energy as a young agent up against these you know, established agents. You hear, hear it time and time again because you've got to be able to show like why would they hire you with 10% the experience that this other agent's got over them. Yeah, know? this other guy, he's yeah. the sponsor of the local footy team. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's got kids in the local primary school. Mm-hmm. He's been around. He knows every street. He's yeah. sold on every street. Yeah. How can you compete with this person? You've got to come in there from a viewpoint of, look, this is what I can do. You know, I've only got this amount of listings. I'm a quality-based agent and rather than a quantity. So I come into the, you know, to this business and with this work ethic of I have a manageable amount of listings that I can give my all to six, seven days a week. I'm on the phones. I'm working for your listing. I'm standing on your front door selling it better than anyone else. Whereas some of these agents may be coming with a bit of a team or, you know, 20, 30 plus listings at once. The assistant you, rocks up at the, yeah, the prospecting assist, meeting. The assistant rocks up, but even the home opens. You like So this agent's only, you know, maybe you're getting a call from once a week, whatever it is, communications on the, on the low side. And I'm massive on that too. And I think it's massive on relations as well, not just with sellers, but with buyers. I've really found that if you can develop a relationship with buyers and make them feel comfortable with you and get them, you know, in a space where they're like, you know, this guy, he's a good guy. And obviously, he's letting us know, you know, he's selling this property better than anyone else. But when it comes to doing the negotiations as well, obviously, you flip the script, take that hat off and you turn into the negotiation mode because you are working for the sellers. And I find that that is, you know, a really key component in terms of developing those relationships. For me, there's a couple of really important factors mm-hmm. here. And look, I've never sold a property in my life. But what I see with regards to all the sellers that I work with on a daily basis, is that hit rate goes up for a couple of reasons. 
one when you're obviously hitting new price points and people notice that and sellers go oh, look if you can sell my property for 550 well then i'll go with you otherwise don't worry about it also your ability to just research do your actual research on the property mm-hmm. not only the property and as much as you can about the sellers as well a lot of information comes from rp data you can research exactly how many properties a seller has before they even tell you mm-hmm. but also massive believer in that the best real estate agents are not the ones who cover, cover all of perth but they are an expert in a very small wedge of perth and what that does is not only give them the ability to be an expert in that area but also have the database of buyers mm-hmm. because that protects you especially in the soft times when there aren't that many buyers looking to buy that many properties that are on the market real estate agents really just become allocating agents where they've got buyers in the back pocket and go, well, look, I'm allocating you to this property. This is a fair price. Let's get it done. Yeah, spot on, spot on. And I think at the same time, having that good relationship with the buyers and working with them, eventually those buyers will become sellers. Let's wrap it up Mm -hmm. with a couple of key points from yourself on the spot on what to do and what not to do when you're starting your career. One key point that that you thought really helped you with getting on the right path, what would it be? Definitely go out and interview like a few different agencies, three, four, five, whatever you feel comfortable look at those areas you'd like to work in, go to some local offices or even out of area offices and really kind of, I guess, dig your heels in around, ask them just as many questions as they'd ask you at the interview process and just make sure that that place you think is going to be a good fit for you that you could see yourself in for at least a few years before you even consider being one of these agents that chop and change. For me, tip would be, Hard work pays off yeah. in, in this industry. Yeah. No one is ma- much smarter than anyone else. Mm-hmm. It's all about action and hard work and hours in. Uh, and on the other side of things, not having integrity. Yeah. The second that your brand is broken because you're lying to people or you're, you're, you're bullshitting or faking it until you can make mm-hmm. it in a space like this, yeah. your brand turns to mud pretty quickly. Not mm-hmm. only do the, the sellers and buyers in your local area know that, mm-hmm. so do your colleagues around you as well. And they, they stop trusting you. Your mm-hmm. brand becomes nothing. So in this industry where it really all is about brand and integrity and what you trade is your name, you don't start off on the right foot. It will fall away very quickly and you'll be out of the industry very quickly as well. Very good case in point. Adam Gizzo, it's been a pleasure having you in and I look forward to at some point in the near future having you come in as a number one agent for a suburb in the future when you earn it and have you uh, mark your territory somewhere I'm assuming around the leadable North Perth space I guess maybe it's Maylands maybe. who knows mate really appreciate it really appreciate your time and I love obviously mate you've always got big expectations of me and I uh, really appreciate you obviously setting those goals as always um, I look forward to keeping in touch for sure thanks mate thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!